This episode of Pod Cemetery is brought to you by your high school prom committee. Prom night. Just as memorable as the night your family was murdered in front of you. Hello, my name is Chris. My name is Kelsey. And this is Pod Cemetery, where we dissect horror movies like the rotting corpses that they are. This week, a double feature. The late night double feature, feature 1980s prom night, followed swiftly by 2008's prom night. It's prom season, Woo! and we are continuing two weeks in a row so far. Before we get to the movies, though, Kelsey, how do we start the show? Slash cards. Slash cards. Show me what you got. Name two horror movies starring Jamie Lee Curtis. Prom night. Mm-hmm. And Halloween. Holy shit, those are both the examples on the back. <laughs> She's also in Terror Train. <laughs> mm -hmm. Anyway, easy one to start off the show. Mm -hmm. The real hotel that inspired Stephen King to write The Shining, 1977, is located in what U.S. state? Colorado. Correct. The you Stanley yeah, Hotel. I was ask and you. I've been there. <laughs> it's located in Estes Park near Boulder. Estes Park. You know what? That's how you pronounce it. The way you say it sounds like testes. <laughs> and apologies, as I am sick, we put off recording, but it's been several days now, and I'm still not feeling great. So if this is your anti-ASMR, I'm sorry. If this is your ASMR, then how you doing? What's ASMR? Autonomous Sensory Meridian Response. It's basically when you hear something, and it gives you, like... Good feelings, like a shiver down your spine, kind of good feelings. <laughs> Sounds and things like that. It's whenever you hear somebody whispering into a microphone like this. The sibilance and stuff like that. It can really make people feel good. They say it's not sexual, but for some people, it's sexual. <laughs> it's so weird. It is. And people will do things like they'll, they'll tap on things and they'll brush like a makeup brush along the mic and it's like a whole thing how do you not know what asmr is like it's huge well we're i'll show you some videos so you know what i'm talking about okay <laughs> anyway moving on to 1980s prom night written by william gray from a story by robert guza jr and directed by paul lynch Starring Leslie Nielsen and Jamie Lee Curtis. Kelsey, what's the premise of Prom Night? After a tragic death, six years later, the people involved are stalked by a killer on their Prom Night. Kelsey, Prom Night is available via subscription on Amazon Prime or for rent as low as 99 cents should people watch the movie before listening to this episode. If you're into 80s slashers, absolutely. You think? Yes. Why? This movie is so much fun to watch, and it's just 
which is funny. I say 80s slashers. It feels much more like a disco movie, which we're going to talk about a lot. Yeah, it does. Uh, but if you're into that genre, you've got to see this. It's great. Yeah. Okay, great. So on that advice, go ahead and watch the movie. And when we get back, we'll discuss 1980s prom night. These are the girls of Hamilton High. Tonight, they'll be more beautiful than ever before in their lives. Because tonight is prom night. And someone will come to the prom alone just to watch them dance, to see them fall in love, to see them die. Prom night. If you're not back by midnight, you won't be coming home. Rated R. Starts Friday at a theater or drive-in near you. Check your local paper for theater locations. Kelsey, what happens in prom night? We start when they are kids. They're like 11 or 12 years old. And they're playing in this abandoned building. They're playing hide-and-seek, but it's a weird spin on hide-and-seek where when you get out and you find somebody, you say that you're a killer. <laughs> and you repeat kill 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 yeah okay so the kids <laughs> the kids are being a little intense with this very intense with this game here killers here killers are coming killers are coming killers are coming killers I can totally sympathize with the girl when they're, like, stalking her, being, like, genuinely terrified, because those games were, like, real. Like, it, the stakes were real. Obviously, like, you didn't think they were really going to kill you, but the stakes were real. Well, it's it's weird, because... There's a little girl, and she is the younger sister of a boy and another girl. And the other girl, who ends up being Jamie Lee Curtis as an adult, has to run back to her school. So she doesn't see what happens. And like I said, they're playing this weird hide-and-go-seek game. And when the younger sister goes in, we're kind of left thinking that she's probably that annoying little sister that nobody really wants to hang out with. But aside from all that, they find her, and then they just keep shouting kill at her, and she's, like, freaking out, and she backs up. Yeah. And then she gets up on, like, a table or something, and then she continues to back up and then falls out the window. And it's just so bizarre because it's like, why didn't the kids stop? What was their plan? What were they going to do to her if she just stopped t walking? They were just trying to scare her. As obviously, she goes backwards, obviously be it's out a little a over the top. It's a little over the top. It makes no sense. Yeah. So anyway, she falls, she dies. The lead girl convinces the rest to to swear to never tell anybody because they think they're going to go to jail. They all ride off. And why isn't Jamie Lee Curtis's character there? She has to go back to get her geography book. How convenient. Mm -hmm. So then Leslie Nielsen shows up. Yes. And. It feels like he's a cop, but he's totally not. He's just the school principal, and he happens to be the father of the girl that died. Yeah. Anyway, high school principal. Anyway, so he's... I mean, okay, let's, let's just... So you guys know. Leslie Nielsen was not really a comedic actor until this year uh, when Airplane came out. 
And before that, he was in a lot of very serious roles. He did sci-fi movies, among other things, but he was a he was a serious actor and he was not a comedic actor. That's why they cast him in Airplane as like the straight man who says, I am serious and don't call me Shirley. Can you fly this plane and land it? Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. So he's really famous for that line. And then he did the Naked Gun movies and... Um, he played Frank Drebin, obviously, in those and in the, in the TV series. And he did a lot of spoof movies, but that was from 1980 on. Up to this point, he was a very serious actor. But as a child of the 80s myself, it's very difficult to see him and not think that's Frank Drebin. Yeah, exactly. Totally. So we get this voiceover from him, and it basically explains that they already had a known child molester, and they pinned it on him. But... Before we cut to Leslie Nielsen, I forgot to say this, we see someone's shoes walk next to the and little girl. And a shadow yes. come over her. No clue who it is, but we know that someone saw it. And we know that it wasn't the child molester that killed her because he was not there. It was the kids. So he gets locked up. So six years later to the day, they're putting flowers on the little girl's grave. And we see Jamie Lee Curtis is the adult girl who went back for her geography book. We see her adult, her brother, who's now an adult as well. And it's not really clear if they're, like, twins or something. Because why is he the same age as Jamie Lee Curtis? They are twins. They are twins. Okay. There you go. So it happens to be that prom night is this night. Yeah. And it happens to be on a Friday, so, like, they're all at school, which is weird. My prom was always on a Saturday, because you needed the whole fucking day to get ready for it, but whatever. <laughs> so, she, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis is kind of teasing her brother for not having a date to prom, and he's like, it's no big deal, I'm gonna be the, uh, I'm gonna be the DJ. Cut to, at the school... Jamie Lee Curtis sees this guy who works for the school. His name is Mr. Sykes. Who is? Is he somebody famous? Do you not recognize him? No. Mr. Sykes is the neck cancer dude from The Brood. Oh. You know how I'm like, I got I recognize that guy, and I was looking him up, and he's like, he's from nothing. Well, this is what he's from. <laughs> he's in The Brood, apparently. Yeah, I guess that's where I recognize him from. I don't know. I don't really remember somebody with neck cancer. He had the towel wrapped around his neck and the guy went to go visit him talking about what is it with this psychiatrist and his sessions and and he, he takes it off and his neck is all like fucked up. He's a guy that's like working out in his room. Sounds vaguely familiar. People have this whole other system they don't even know about. The lymphatic system. It's like the, the blood system with its own style of, of veins and arteries but but no heart. Oh, well. And and he looks like Mr. Sykes from this movie because they are the same human being. <laughs> anyway, uh, they say like, oh, he's a wacko and he looks in girls at girls in the locker room. He He's like the groundskeeper for the school. Yeah. And Nielsen, who is the principal, like shushes her and says he's just a man and, you know, leave him alone kind of thing. Yeah. So then each of the people, each of the kids that we saw inside the abandoned building are, of course, now adults as well. Um, and when I say adults, I actually mean high school seniors. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Each of them gets a phone call, a creepy phone call. Uh, Jude, 
who is apparently like the ugly girl for some reason. She doesn't have a date for prom. She was fun. I liked her a lot. I know. I don't know why she doesn't have a date. I don't know. Right. She's cute. I mean, she's obviously not like a prude. I mean, we find that out, right? I mean, this guy she just met, she has sex with him and smokes pot with him. So it's not like she doesn't know how to have fun. So, like, what's the problem? Does she just have a really bad personality that we don't know about? I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, so Jude gets a phone call. And I think she's the first girl of the group, aside from the leader, who says, yeah, I swear to not tell anybody. Yeah. And the guy, the person on the phone says, can you come out to play? I'll see you at prom. Hello? Jude. Yes? Can you come out to play tonight? I'll see you at the prom. And she just chalks it up to some pervert prank call. Yeah, she says uh, an obscene phone call and not very obscene at that. Right. She's funny. Yeah. So then as she's walking to school, this van pulls up. What's this, his name? Slick? He calls himself Slick. His That's name what, is Seymour. Oh, okay. Yeah. And he says, you know, you want to get in my van? You want to ride? And it's just like, she doesn't know him. She doesn't know who he is. He ends up just being another kid from their school. Yeah. But she doesn't fucking know. And she gets in this guy's van. Anyway. So she does. She's apparently that desperate for male attention. Um, and then she ends up accepting his date to the prom. So she's yeah. really excited about that. So then we see Kelly. And Kelly was a girl who didn't want to just leave. But she was pressured the, into it. Yeah, she was pressured into it by saying, you know, do you want to go to jail? And she goes, I don't want to go to jail. So she decided to swear she would be quiet as well. And she gets a phone call and it says, it's been a long time. Tonight it's my turn. Kelly. It's been a long time. Tonight. It's my turn. And at first she thinks it's Drew, who I guess is her boyfriend. Yes, he's the dick from later. Oh, right. Yeah. So she thinks it's her boyfriend, Drew. He co- and then Drew comes in, scares her in the house, and she hangs up the phone, and he and she tells him, you know, it was a bullshit, it was a obscene phone call, and he goes, oh, d- it turned it on, turned you on, didn't it? I should try that. And she goes, I'm serious. And he goes, so am I. So it's clear from the get-go what he's interested in. He wants to have sex. Yeah. Real bad. Drew is... A piece of shit. Yeah. I mean, there are a few pieces of shit in this movie, mm-hmm. and Drew is one of them. Yes. He doesn't even get his. Nothing bad happens to Drew. So then we meet Nick. And Nick ignores the phone, and his dad is like, aren't you going to answer that? And he goes, it's just Wendy. She's mad. She wants me to take her to prom, but I'm taking Kim. So we like, automatically. Oh, I wish I had your girl problems. <laughs> exactly. So we automatically know that he was dating Wendy, Wendy being the leader of the group. Who made them all swear to secrecy. Nick being the only boy of the group who yeah. swore to secrecy. Kim being Jamie Lee Curtis, the the older sister of the girl who died. Who wasn't there, yeah. Uh-huh. Right. There's a lot of yeah, they, they fit a lot of stuff in these movies where it's like, we got to get all this premise stuff set up so we can get straight to the slasher stuff. Yeah. 
Then we find out that Leonard Murch, the name of the sex offender who they put away, um, who was also apparently a burn victim because he was trying to run away from the cops and crashed his car. Yeah, Jesus. Um, it, it, even though he didn't even do it. But, I mean, he was still a child molester, so who cares? Um, yeah, he broke out of prison or the psych ward the or The psych whatever. ward. Yeah, and killed the nurse. To steal her car. A la... Halloween? Yeah. Just yeah. like Halloween. <laughs> Which, okay, this is obviously cashing in on the late 70s, early 80s craze of holiday slash seasonal horrors that were all started by Halloween. Mm-hmm. Yes. And came out the same year as Friday the 13th. Yes. Another one of those. Yes. So then the last person that we see is Wendy. And she, as soon as the phone rings, she picks it up because she thinks it's Nick. Yeah. And she goes, Nick, and whoever it is on the phone says, Wendy, do you still like to play games? And she says, oh, get lost, Lou, and then hangs up. Nick? Wendy. Do you still like to play games? Oh, get lost, Lou. We don't know who Lou is yet, but we'll meet him. Mm-hmm. Wendy is Wendy is the Chris of this movie. By that, I mean the Chris from Carrie. It, she is just an awful witch of a woman. Like, she is horrible. Mm-hmm. And she even plans a prank mm-hmm. with the outcast dude, mm-hmm. who Lou, who she's talking about, who's basically the Billy of this movie. Yep. Yep. It's trying to be Carrie in that regard. So it's trying to, like, mix Halloween and Carrie together. Kind like, what of. if Carrie but Halloween? <laughs> anyway, then we meet Lou, who automatically is hitting on Kim. And she's just like, I wouldn't kiss you. You smell like an ashtray. So then Wendy, right in front of Kim, kisses Nick and calls him her lover. But Kim totally doesn't care. yeah. I, I, this is like the most mature response. Like, I think it's really cute because Nick is like, he's not like shoving her away or anything like that. He's just not engaging. Mm-hmm. And then when she walks away, he looks at, at Kim and he's like, I told her it was over. I don't know what that was. And and Kim walks away in a huff. She's like, huh, yeah, right, or whatever. And she walks away and then her, which one of the friends, I can't remember which, like looks at, her, looks at Kim as they're walking away and is like, oh. You don't even. And she turns back to Nick and goes, Nick, she's smiling. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's really cute. It is And very cute. mature. It, it would be a great excuse to just kick up drama for the sake of drama in a movie to make this like a whole thing that really bothers Kim. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't phase Kim at all. There is nothing about Wendy that makes Kim doubt herself or even ever get upset. It's like it's like a yapping dog to her as far mm-hmm. as she cares, which is really cool. I think Kim's a pretty great character in this. Mm-hmm. So this prom scene, I mean, we're not quite at the prom scene yet, but we, we see it because Kim walks in to practice her dance moves, and it is so staying alive. <laughs> they have the light-up floor. Why has this never made a comeback? We make dance floors, and dance floors are expensive, Make them light up. I agree. They should bring that back. But so she's like uh, practicing her dance moves. And um, Jamie Lee Curtis is a good dancer. She is, which she had to prove to to get the 
the role. Apparently the role was already cast and she said she wanted it. Like she actively sought it out. So she told her agents and then they called up the production company. It's like, oh, she heard about this prom night movie and she wants to be in it. And so this is after, or yeah, just shortly after Terror Train and Halloween. It's like she was actively trying to be like the scream queen. Like she was totally into it. <laughs> I don't know if I talked about this before. I'm sure I did. I talk about this with Kelsey all the time. Jamie Lee Curtis is so awesome. <laughs> like, she's really, really great. She's a total nerd. <laughs> she loves video games, Street Fighter in particular, and she'll go to, like, tournaments and conventions and stuff like that, um, dressed up in cosplay, usually anything that involves a mask, like Vega. <laughs> it is so awesome. And she's married to Christopher Guest, who's dope, too. Like, that's, that's just, she's really cool. And I like her a lot. And uh, yeah, she sought this role out. They were like, well, can you dance? And so she had to prove that she could dance because of this movie. It was going to be the disco horror. <laughs> of course, uh, why wouldn't she be? Wendy is in there. And she's just like, you practicing for tonight? And she goes, yeah, I was actually. And she goes, yeah, Kim always has to be perfect, doesn't she? Yeah, this is another one of those things where it's like, I know I keep chiming in and bringing this up with this relationship dynamic, but girls do not be a Wendy. Wendy is dumped by her boyfriend who immediately moves on to somebody else. And Wendy is upset at that somebody else. Mm-hmm. It's just like that one Brandy and what's her face song. The boy is mine. The boy is mine. <laughs> where they're bitching at each other when really there's a man who's two timing both of you be mad at him. <laughs> Not that she should be mad at Nick. She was dumped and she's going to have to deal with it. But, like, the fact that she gets mad at the other woman is, it's so fucked up. Wendy's awful and Kim is awesome. Mm -hmm. Be a Kim, not a Wendy. <laughs> and Wendy says, after tonight is all over, everything is going to go back to normal. And Jamie Lee Curtis is like, well, you really ought to tell him that. <laughs> and Wendy ends the conversation by saying, it's not who you go with. It's who takes you home. Just wait and see. It's not who you go with, honey. It's who takes you home. That is apparently the recurring line that's in all of the prom night movies. So then they're at lunch and Lou, wearing a ski mask, tries to kiss, um, like he like pulls uh, Wendy in. Like that's assault, brother. It really is. This movie really shows you the difference in how we treat women. Right. From then into totally. today. <laughs> because because Alex gets really upset. He goes to rip Lou off of her and he punches him and then Lou's friends come in and he has to fight them off too. And uh, they both kind of get in trouble. And Lou thinks legitimately that he just punched me. I didn't do anything. Like he literally thinks that. And it's almost like the movie thinks that Lou didn't even do anything that wrong too. Mm -hmm. Because when it comes down to it, it's like you're just letting him off easy because he's your son. When they go to the principal's office and Leslie Nielsen chimes in about how Lou's in trouble and Alex is not. And it's like, oh, yeah, they recognize that what Lou did is wrong. And what Alex did was defending his sister from this attack, which is what it was. And Leslie Nielsen is like, y you're damn right. 
I am letting him off because he's my son, and you are a nuisance and always have been. He says here, but you've been nothing but a disgrace to the school and this community. Right. <laughs> but it's like they are conceding to the fact that Lou is right, that he didn't really even do anything wrong, mm-hmm. and that Alex overreacted. I'm like, no, no, he did not. <laughs> super fucked up. <laughs> so then we see uh, Nick talking to Wendy again, and he goes, it didn't work out. Let's just leave it. At- Why can't you just leave it at that? She goes, because I don't want to leave it at that and then he just walks away and she's like well you blew it and then she immediately runs off to be with Lou yeah (laughs) Uh, because at this point she needs a date to the prom right Lou the unibrow who goes to the prom in tails and jeans yep which is an amazing look (laughs) I kind of love it (laughs) you know just just imagine the jock with the big 70s hair and a unibrow Wearing a tux top with tails and then jean pants. <laughs> uh, so then I guess this school is right by a seaside cliff because we see Kim, Jamie Lee Curtis, and Nick walking along, right? still at school. And then the bell rings, yes. right? So you know they're at school. There's just a cliff into the ocean <laughs> on the campus. <laughs> I want to go to that school. How do people not fall to their death every day? (laughs) Kids doing stupid shit. (laughs) There's also amazing 80s saxophone music playing in the background. Yep, uh uh-huh. It's wonderful. And Jamie Lee Curtis explains, you know, it's Robin's day, Robin being the sister who died. Yeah. And Nick is standing there knowing what, actually happened to Robin. And he decides, you know what? I'm serious about this with you. I feel really guilty about what happened. And I'm going to tell you about it, basically. And then the bell rings and she's like, I got to go. Bye. He's like, uh. <laughs> He's just left hanging and he never gets a chance to tell her what happened. I, I don't know how he could date her and not just feel incredibly guilty all the and time. they just started and he does feel incredibly guilty. So then Lou and Wendy (laughs) go to get food, and he's like, oh, I don't have any cash. And she's just like, don't worry, it's on me. And then he's like, oh, well, I'll have a couple burgers, a large fry, a large Coke, and the same for her. (laughs) And she goes, thanks, I'll just have a small Diet Coke. (laughs) It's very, uh, yes, it's extremely like Chris and Billy Nolan. Yeah. It's exact, this whole scene feels exactly like that. She's trying to convince him to do some sort of prank. We don't know what it is yet, but she says, how do I know you're serious? I don't want anyone hurt badly. Yeah, uh-huh. I'm telling you, this was, let's cash in on Halloween seasonal horror, but it's Carrie. Kim and Kelly are at school in the locker room. And Kelly is explaining that her boyfriend, Drew, is going to leave her if she doesn't have sex with him. Right. And... I'm sorry for all the preaching people. I'm really sorry. No, it's really bad. No, but but if if your if your boyfriend is pressuring you into sex and he gives you the ultimatum, well, first of all, if your boyfriend's pressuring you into sex, period. But <laughs> if he gives you the ultimatum that you fuck me or leave or I'm out of here, then bye. Let him go. And that's exactly what Kim says. She says, "Then let him." Why See, Kim's dope. <laughs> yeah, like, why are you bending over backwards for this asshole? If you don't want to have sex, don't fucking have sex. Jesus. Girls, 
I swear to God. And it's so, so real. Dudes, you know what? Anyone, don't pressure your partner into having sex. On the other side, if they're pressuring you into having sex, don't put up with it. Leave yourself. And then she says, I think I'll let him do it. Let, let him. him. I know. Let him. <laughs> I mean, this tells you something about our about our culture at the time, right? Whenever we go over these older movies, these movies that are more than 20 years old, there's always something problematic in them. That didn't seem problematic at the time because that's just how our culture was. This might come later in the film, I'm not sure, but at some point, some chick says to her, oh, it's like getting a shot. It's just like, Jesus Christ. Just close your eyes and... So girls just never thought that they would get anything pleasurable out of it? Like, they were just like, whatever the guy wants to do, just let them do that? No, the guy is there for sex and the girl is there for love. Oh my God. That's what we learn about sex. Fucking, ugh. You shouldn't be learning about sex from us either. But I'd like to think we'd be a better influence than this movie. But ultimately, peak forward, ultimately it doesn't go down that way. And at one point they think somebody is in there and somebody shattered the mirror and a piece of the mirror has been taken out. Yeah. So then after the, now it's after school and Kim has to go to the prom because apparently Kim and Nick already know that they're going to yeah. be prom king and queen. It's weird. It's really but weird. But they rehearse the reveal, mm-hmm. and, and it's, it's kind of a cute scene. It's a disco madness theme. Yes, it is. But it's a really cute scene of them rehearsing, and then, like, you know, the, the host student has to give the flowers, and that, of course, is Alex, her brother, and is like, kiss the queen. He's like, my sister? <laughs> it's really cute, and... Yeah, and uh, doesn't um, doesn't Nick ask for a kiss too? Yeah, or something but like they that? shake yeah. hands. It's it's really cute. Like it's a it's an adorable scene that makes you really like these kids. That's it, Alex. Now kiss her, my sister. Alex, good. Now the king, kiss the king on the mouth. Shake hands. I would like to mention a quick thing. They go to Alexander Hamilton. Me High too. <laughs> Alexander Hamilton. <laughs> Also, she, the gym teacher full on says, and here are your voted most popular kids. (laughs) Just put it all out there. This is all a popularity contest. The cynical kids among you, that's what you call it. But let me tell you, that's what it is. (laughs) It's a popularity contest. I cannot believe it's still a thing. Like I could, I could understand the court thing, right? But then picking the most popular out of all of them? How is that a thing that the faculty endorses? <laughs> it's tradition. It is. It is a tradition. Tradition. Mm-hmm. So then it's going to be prom soon. And this whole time, we've, we've skipped it because it's not important. This whole time, the cops have been looking around for this guy. And they decide that they're going to all go to the prom and watch over it. And we see uh, Wendy and Lou. And uh, she asks, you know, is it all set? He says, yeah. She goes, it better. I don't want her to ever forget this night. And she won't, but for different reasons. (laughs) 
Uh, it was around this point that I wrote, uh, this is a very slow-moving slasher, because at this point we had had two deaths. Uh-huh. One was a little girl and six years ago. And one was a nurse off-screen. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. And there still hasn't been any other deaths or nothing. We've had some creepy phone calls. Uh, at one point... Kelly saw like had a picture of her in her locker with the with the mirror glass. They all have their pictures in their locker and it's like, "What? Right. Okay, all right." In order to not keep our storyline uh as slow moving as the movie is, we're going <laughs> to skip forward to the prom. So they're now all at the prom and Jamie Lee Curtis does this big like her and her boyfriend Nick do this whole like it's choreographed choreographed dance yes. in front of the whole school just to show off in front of Wendy. Yeah. Like, well, that they do. I don't know if that's just to do that. Well, she runs off to get him because Wendy does something. I think Wendy is talking to Nick and yeah, she grabs uh, Nick and they do their whole rehearsed choreographed dance love it it is amazing like it even they even do the titanic spin thing mm-hmm. there and it's to a song the theme song of this Prom movie night. everything is all right prom night <laughs> no more feeling uptight <laughs> It's amazing and i like even as we were watching it i was like it is such a shame because we can't possibly describe this. No. It's incredible. You should see it. <laughs> Drew has taken Kelly off uh, to be alone. Moment of truth, people. She's like, I can't, Drew. And he says, but I want you so bad. I love you. And so she almost does. And she goes, no. And he goes, what? Fairy tale princess? And he says, please, if you won't, I know plenty who will. And he walks away. Yeah. Just a raging bastard. And as I was writing that, she goes, Drew, you bastard. <laughs> You'll be back. <laughs> Have that confidence, Kelly, but you don't want him back. Exactly. But she'll never get that chance because then she gets her, her th- throat sliced. Yep. So then Jude is having sex with Seymour, who she Slick. just met today. His chosen name is Slick. That's true. He does go by Slick. They uh, call me Slick. <laughs> I can see why. They're having sex. And they're all, they're having a really good time. They are. The Both they of them are. are really enjoying themselves. And this is what high. your sex life should be like, people. Both of you having an equally good time. Mm-hmm. Have fun. He doesn't have his glasses because while they're frolicking, they roll over on them. And uh, so his glasses are broken, so he can hardly see. Um, she wants to do it on the bluffs. It'll be fantastic. <laughs> and anyway, they're in, they're hanging out in the back, and she's. This is a really great moment. She's sitting up against the doors, and the doors bust open from the outside, and she falls backwards with her head and her arms hanging out the back of the van. And she looks up, and she sees the man in the mask, who proceeds to cut her throat. Mm-hmm. Slick freaks out. Gets in the car seat in the in the driver's seat and uh, turns it on and starts to drive away with this mass killer like chasing him and eventually he just goes off that cliff and explodes in a fireball <laughs> before it hits anything. Yes, it's in mid air and it catches on fire. I love those car crashes. They used to do them all the time in the seventies and a little bit into the eighties. According to the director, the stunt coordinator. St- 
stole that van. <laughs> and they just blew it up, knowing that he wouldn't have to, like, there'd be no evidence when it was all done. <laughs> so apparently he stole that van, and it, it didn't belong to him. So now Jude, Slick, and Kelly, Kelly are dead. Yes. Back at the prom, Lou is dusting off shoulder his shoulders because apparently he had to climb back in, which we did not see. No, yeah, they cut out some stuff, obviously, but he gets kicked out by Leslie Nielsen's character. Which we don't see. We see him notice him and walk towards him, and then it cuts, and then we cut to him climbing back in, apparently. It's just him <laughs> dusting off his shoulders like Jay-Z. <laughs> so Wendy goes off to put on makeup. Uh, before the prank that we still don't know what they're going to do. And while doing that, the killer comes after her and <laughs> she does this whole run through the school. And there's this really awesome shot of her like in the chemistry class. And you can just yeah. see her eyes above the table. And it's a mirrored and it's like table. reflecting off of it. Yeah, it's and a really cool her, shot. It's a really cool shot. And at one point, like, the killer fucking, like, loses his axe and runs after her and then has to run back and to get the axe. turns back for the axe. But the camera stays on the axe. So it's like this really, like, well-framed shot. There's some really great shots in this movie hiding amongst this otherwise totally averagely filmed movie. And at, at one point, she almost gets away from him. But she walks into a mannequin and she screams, which is what brings him back. And as he's killing her, he's like, now, now, now. Yeah. <laughs> it's really weird. <laughs> and then the weirdo uh, janitor guy says there's a killer loose and nobody believes him because he's drunk. The lunatic has been found. So now all of a sudden, all the people we were thinking it was are gone out yeah. of the picture. So there's really only one person that the movie alluded to that's left. And that is Leslie Nielsen. And it's around this point that he is nowhere to be found. They don't know where he is. We find out later, I think that he was taking care of the janitor dude, getting him off campus because he was drunk and sending him home. But this is like a red herring of when Wendy is getting chased, Leslie Nielsen's nowhere. Mm-hmm. He's really the only other one that the movie has been like, could it be him getting a revenge for the death of his daughter? So then, uh, yeah, we find out what the what the prank was going to be. Lou and his friends have beaten up and tied up Nick. And now Lou is dressed up like the king. And they were supposed to grab Jamie Lee Curtis, too. She was supposed to be replaced by Wendy, but Wendy has died. So yeah. she's nowhere to be found. So they're just like, eh, screw it. We'll just have Lou walk out with her. Uh-huh. And so when they go out to take their places and the curtain's about to open up, all of a sudden, axe to the neck, head lopped right off. Mm -hmm. The killer, thinking that it's Nick, kills Lou by chopping his head off, and it rolls down the stage a little bit onto the lighted stage. Another well-framed shot with the lights along the side of the stage. Yeah. Along, along like, the catwalk area. It's a really good with this shot. this head just, like, sitting there. Uh, really great. And everyone's like shocked for a second. Like, what's going? Oh, my God. It's a human head. And then they all freak out and they start to run. How does 
Nick get out? Like, does when does uh, Kim, Kim finds him? Kim finds him and like wakes him up, and he's like staggering around, and they're trying to get away from the killer who's like right there. He like axes into some electrical equipment and gets shocked. It throws him back, and they're trying to get away. But Nick, he just he's concussed, and, and he, he fucking <laughs> trips over the head. <laughs> he does he literally trips, he over, trips the over the head. Over head. It's hilarious. Um, and the killer gets up and they start to, uh, they start to tussle and then Kim gets her hand on the axe and like hits the guy with it and, uh, they're still fighting and then he, he gets away. They, they break up and they're all like, like squaring up to fight again. And that's when Kim holding on to Nick, like looks at him and sees his eyes, recognizes those eyes. It's Alex. Now, the movie doesn't straight out tell us that. We just see Kim go, like, no. She mouths no. She doesn't actually say it. Right. But she's, like, upset. Something has been revealed to her, and she's really disappointed and upset <laughs> and distressed. Mm-hmm. At which point, the killer tries to leave, and they chase after him. And when he gets outside, the cop, uh, Nick's dad is out there and he pulls his gun on him and she's like, don't shoot, don't shoot. And she grabs him and he's like freaking out. He's been knocked on the head a couple of times. And electrocuted. Yeah, so he's not doing so well. So he falls to the ground and she takes off his mask. And it's it's Alex. It's Alex. And he's like, they did it. They killed her. Robin. They killed her. They killed her. Robin. And that's the end. That is the fucking end. (laughs) All right. And that is the end of prom night. Prom night. Everything's all right. Lightning round, Kelsey. This movie is, so I've read, one of the first movies to actually have a sympathetic killer. The actor who plays Alex actually said that in a... Like a retrospective that we watched. Not the first, but he's one that. No, it's one of slashers. Of, it's it's one of the first slasher movies to have a sympathetic killer. Like slasher movies weren't even really a thing until a couple years prior, and Michael Myers definitely isn't sympathetic. Oh, by the way, the killer ended up being Jamie Lee's brother, just like in Halloween. I mean. You feel bad for the guy from Terror Train. You kind of feel bad for... uh, Yeah, I guess. You kind of feel bad for the guy from Friday the 13th. Jason. Well, first of all, he wasn't a killer yet. You feel bad for his mom. He lost it. No. She lost her son. No, no. She's not sympathetic in the least. She's awful and has been for many years. And she continues to kill. Just because they have a reason to kill doesn't make them sympathetic. This is somebody who's avenging the death of his twin sister, as opposed to the mom who just wants to kill any camp counselors, even if they had nothing to do with the death of her son. She just has an obsession with killing camp counselors in Friday the 13th. And in Terror Train, yeah, he gets a prank pulled on him. She you should have try- seen the look that Kelsey gave me there. You try finding out that no, you're no, no. making out with a dead person. It's really, really fucked up. But nobody dies. 
That cadaver was already dead. Oh my god. I'm not excusing the prank. I'm saying there are levels to crimes. One of those levels is manslaughter, which the Terror Train one did not meet. They pulled a prank on me, so I'm going to kill all of them. They were responsible for the death of my little sister, and nobody knows about it. And I'm never going to get justice. Yes, what he's doing is bad. But he's at least a little sympathetic. This is also another in the revenge trope of kids getting killed after they did something when they were younger. You know, even if we're talking about as short as I Know What You Did Last Summer or Terror Train, or as long as with this one, with six years passing. But uh, it's another one of those slasher movies that fall under that trope where kids do something bad and keep it a secret, and then years later, somebody comes back for revenge. Why Alex waited six years... Because he knew prom was going to be on the anniversary of his sister's death six years ahead of time? Uh, who knows? Maybe it just pisses him off that they're about to go out yeah. into the world and have their real lives. But it's also like Valentine does it too. I have probably the most important question you could possibly ask about this movie. What's that? Why does the mask sparkle like a teen heartthrob vampire? It's a good question. Never explained. Nope. Because <laughs> it looks more disco. I guess. A disco ski mask. Oh, there was a little connection here. Yeah. Very, very slight. Probably most people won't agree with me. But at one point, um, one of the teenage girls at school, a random one named Vicky, apparently, goes up to the janitor, who we all know is kind of fucked up, and uh, shows off her butt to him. It reminded me of Split. Yes. How the teenage girl put his hand up um, her shirt. Her shirt. And have you noticed how it always seems to be the girl's fault? Yeah, who are teasing sexually a mentally handicapped man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's fucked up. When uh, Jude and Slick, as Chris wants me to call uh-huh. him, are in the van, he says, hand me my history book. And she goes, you think this is a time to study? And he opens it up, and inside is just a fuck ton of joints. Yep. And it's like, well, what are you going to do with that book? I mean, I guess you could keep it. It would be weird. Yeah. (laughs) You're supposed to return those. That's just funny. Two more things. Okay. One. So as the credits are rolling, Chris and I will let them play sometimes, just in case there's something, or we just, you know, we're talking or whatever. And I happen to look up. Oh, yeah. And we had to go back three times. Uh Uh-huh. Because someone, the location manager, (laughs) decided it was very important that we all know how to pronounce her name properly. Yes. Her name is Anya Fury, but it is spelled (laughs) A-I-N-E. And so it's pronounced differently. And she felt it necessary in the credits to put in parentheses how to pronounce her name properly. Yeah, it's it not in parentheses. I think it's in quotes even, is it? Or no, it's, no, in, it's in parentheses. parentheses. Yeah, it's A-I-N-E, but then Anya, O-N-Y-A, Fury. Like, who gives a fuck? Well, you never know. <laughs> There are tons of famous actors and actresses who do not feel the need to do that, even though none of us know how to say their fucking names, like Ray Fiennes. I'm still convinced his name is Ray. 
And you know what? He never once put in parentheses how to pronounce his name that properly. It's, that it's Rafe. <laughs> that, that, I suppose, is correct. It will probably make you feel better then that this is the only time that she's done that. <laughs> she's been a location manager for a very long time. Uh-huh. She also, I mean, she also produced something called The Littlest Hobo, where she did that as well. Oh, God, no, it's not the only time she did that shit. One episode of Night Heat. Oh, and some in Due South, a TV series, she was actually listed as O-N-Y-A. Oh, no, God, it wasn't the only time. She did it several times. There's even one. This might be a mistake. A TV movie called Murder Among Friends, where she's listed as Annie Fury. A-N-I-E uh-huh. instead of A-I-N-E. <laughs> oh, man. No wonder. I mean, could you imagine? You must. They must get that wrong all the time. Just like you know everyone what? gets Rafe wrong. Yeah. But still, Anya, you do you. Keep it up. You are still alive, right? Also, yes. the cover looks nothing like the movie. She doesn't have the same hair. It's not the same dress. Yep. It's not the same tiara. And she's the one holding the fucking axe. She's holding it like a bouquet of flowers. All right, Kelsey. Yes. What do you think this movie got on Rotten Tomatoes? 70. Try 42. Holy crap. Now, it's only out of 19 reviews. Eight were positive, 11 were negative. So, I mean, it's not exactly a very large um, sample size. But underrated? Definitely. What would you give it? Like a 76. I'd probably give it a 72. Yeah, I mean, it's fun. You should see it. It's so much fun to watch. Yeah. It is. I I can't wait to watch it again. Right. It's so much fun. Um, it, it, It suffers from being a little too slow, a little too long. Yeah. But I think it's great. I mean, it took me a long time to figure out that it was the brother. I mean, I figured it out before they told us, but still. Yeah, because at a certain point, he disappears too. And we're like, it's been a while since we've seen Alex. Mm hmm. Jamie Lee Curtis is great in it. The dance sequence is amazing. I think it's awesome. It's, you know, it's a cheesy slasher from 1980. But it's great. I agree. You should see it. It also got a 45 on Metacritic. So, I mean, way underrated. Yeah. It's a By shame. Like almost 30 points. Mm-hmm. That's kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, if you haven't seen it, if you didn't watch it, even if you sat through all of this, you should still see it. It's a fun prom night slasher movie. It's a lot of fun. All right, that was 1980s Prom Night. Before we move on to our next film, though, Kelsey, round two of Slash Cards. What actor from The Monsters played Judd Crandall in 1989's Pet Cemetery? God, I can't remember his name. He was also the judge in My Cousin Vinny. He played Herman Munster. Mm-hmm. He's the guy who says, I don't go down that road. <laughs> You want to watch out that road? I can't think of his name. Fred Gwynn. Fred Gwynn. I think I probably could have gotten the last name with just Fred. That's a bummer. Sorry, Fred. Kelsey. Yes. This is a movie we've done. What actor played the Wolfman Lawrence Talbot in The Wolfman, 1941? The name I'm thinking of, I think, is the dad. 
trying to think of his name. It's on the tip of my tongue. Claude Rains is the father. That's the dad. Claude Rains was the invisible man. That's why I remember his name. Uh Uh-huh. Fuck, I don't know. What is it? Lon Chaney Jr. Ah. As soon as you say that, I remember. Uh Uh-huh. Now, on to our next movie. Prom Night from 2008. Which isn't really a remake. Yeah, I mean, we were kind of bummed to find out that uh, it's a core premise of people getting murdered on prom night, and that's about it. They have a disco light floor, kind floor. of, kind of. It's more like a transparent floor, and there are lights that exist somewhere. It's not like squares that light up. And that's pretty much all it has in yep. common. Uh, directed by Nelson McCormick and written by J.S. Cardone or Cardoni, starring Brittany Snow, Scott Porter. Jessica Stroop, and I refer to him as the I quit guy. (laughs) I quit. I quit. I quit. I quit. I I quit. I quit. (laughs) I quit. (laughs) I quit, Mr. White. Can you name that movie? That thing you do. That's right. Jonathan Shaich. Is a pa- I, maybe that's how you pronounce his name? As the killer, I'm telling you right now. Because, because you find out immediately. Right, the movie doesn't try to hide it from you. <laughs> it thinks it'd be much more interesting to follow him around than it would be to Make have a mystery. Guess. Which, okay, fine. What is the premise of this prom night, Kelsey? Beautiful high school girl is desired by her teacher who decides to kill off her family and then three years later break out of prison to stalk her prom. That's it. That's all the plot you're getting. That's basically the whole plot right there. That is the whole plot. (laughs) All right. So, Kelsey, this movie is not available to stream for free anywhere, but you can rent it for $3. Don't. All right. There you go. It is super boring. Yeah. I actually, one of one of the first notes that I wrote down for this movie is, uh, Idris Elba, you're better than this. <laughs> so don't watch this movie. Just listen to us talk about it. But first, we'll play a clip from the trailer yep. for 2008's Prom Night. Two years ago, the high school teacher got obsessed with a young female student. She had to watch him kill her mother. I did it for us. He's been in a maximum security prison up until three days ago. Where is he? He escaped. He's somewhere in this hotel. Oh my god! Hello? I need backup now! Claire? Kelsey, what happens in this far inferior prom night? We start by meeting our main character. What's her name? Donna. Donna. I mean, they couldn't even have the same fucking names. Nope. Uh, So Donna 
is coming home from a night out with her friend, and uh, she walks in, and she can't find anybody until she finds her brother, who is dead. Her dad's dead, too, but she didn't see him. She hides under the bed and watches as her mother is stabbed to death. And it's completely unbelievable, because she, like, yells through the house at her brother, and then, like, taps him with the bat, because she falls, she trips over it. She's like, what the Billy or whatever his name is and like pokes him with it. Wicked dead, ain't the bear. And then you hear, where is she? Oh, she's not here. She's at her friend. You know, whatever. It's like, she was just yelling across that. Like that just happened. Mm-hmm. Some consistency folks, like right out the gate. It's like, oh, this is going to be bad. Mm-hmm. And instead of young girl killed, years later, six years later, the consequences as other girls are stalked, or as other kids are stalked, this is young girl lives and her whole family is killed. And then just a couple years later, three, three, she's hunted again and everyone else is killed for whatever reason. It, the, the the criminal escapes, so they have that. Yes. But in the last movie, the criminal escaped and it was a red herring. Yep. He was caught miles and miles away from the town. Yeah. So I'm not looking forward to this. <laughs> So the killer chases the mom into the bedroom of the boy where she is. For some reason, there's no reason for them to go into the boy's room. (laughs) And the mother hides the fact that she can see the daughter under the bed and is stabbed to death while Donna watches. Yes. And they caught the guy and it turns out it's her teacher. Who is obsessed with her. Who is obsessed with her. And... Wants to protect her or cherish her. We're in love. It's that whole thing. Mm -hmm. They take us back to the police station where she has to ID the guy. And he can see her. Well, he just knows that she's there. And she's like, can we stop? Can we not do this? And she's like, for some reason, just like physically incapable of just like rotating 180 degrees and not looking at him or closing her eyes or leaving the room. Like, I hate, I hate to shame a victim of such trauma. But the way they frame it, she's like, I can't look at him, I can't. Then fucking turn around or close your eyes or something. You know, you can shut off the speaker in that room. Other police officers there. They're acting like all of this is completely out of their hands. They're at the whim of the psychopath in the other room. I guess we just have to listen to whatever he says and look at him. No, you really don't. Like, this this is the caliber of movie we're dealing with. Yeah. Uh, we get a stupid uh, scene, pointless scene with her uh, with her psychiatrist. She talks about a recurring dream she has, which is also totally pointless. Ming-Na Wen, who is also too good for this, by the way. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yes. Oh, Jesus. This fucking plot piece that goes nowhere. It goes nowhere. None of these plot lines go anywhere. (laughs) She's having nightmares about the guy, and she's telling her psychiatrist about it. And she's like, well... Sometimes trauma can resurface in times of change. You're graduating from high school. This is going to be a very significant time of of uh, change for you and of stress, and it might uh, trigger some of these responses. What she doesn't tell her doctor, oh, I just decided to stop taking my medication. Have you stopped taking your pills? I, yeah, for like a week now. Fucking Donna, what the fuck? <laughs> 
are you going to stop taking your medication and then be fucking baffled? Baffled. When some of these side effects come back, you're like, I thought I was over these dreams and that they went away. Yeah, they did. When you were taking your medication and then you stopped and then they come back and you're like, why are the dreams back? It really, really bothers me when in movies people are taking medication for severe mental problems, whether that's PTSD or anxiety or what have you. If you have a mental problem that you have been prescribed medication for and they're like, either one, I feel better now, so I'm going to stop taking it. Yeah, you do feel better now, so you should probably continue doing what makes you feel better. Or two, I'm tired of feeling numb. And, well, you know what? I know it's a side effect. I get it. I get it that it's a side effect. But there's a reason you were taking it in the first place, because the alternative is worse. Do not be irresponsible about your prescription medication. What the fuck? Why do movies always do this? They're always like, oh, just through sheer willpower and being a strong person and going through yet another trauma. I've beaten my mental illness. That's not how mental illness works. And it's really fucking irresponsible in movies to display it as such. It's, it really bothers me. <laughs> Sorry. It's just for a plot point that goes fucking nowhere it's never brought up again drives me nuts so <laughs> it then cuts immediately into her getting her hair done with her friends and it's so obvious that the people are just barely touching their hair like yeah. we're just extras we lightly don't. grazing your hair with a brush also she went to a hairstylist to get her hair straightened. straightened that's literally all that's done to it is it's straightened like you could have done that at home anybody uh -huh. can do that at home if i can do it you can do it and oh the trope she sees him out of the corner of her eye and then a bus passes and he's gone yep hooray <laughs> taken straight out of halloween it's fucking paint by numbers bullshit <laughs> God damn it. It happens again because there's the, the date walking down the stairs on prom night and her boy that's picking her up is like speechless. Like that fucking trope. That's in here too. Movie's fucking full of them. At her house, her aunt goes to get her a special wrap that her mom used to wear, apparently. <laughs> yeah. It couldn't have been jewelry. It couldn't have been... A purse, you it's know, a wrap. You know, the fucking lace, lacy wrap that your mom was famous for wearing all the time? <laughs> what? I have no idea. Everything about this movie. Oh, I actually wrote here and I missed it with the date walking down the stairs trope. I swear that's the only reason half of these houses are two stories. <laughs> Probably. Then we get a montage of them in the limo and people getting their their hotel rooms ready and ho hoisting a beer keg up the fucking side of the hotel yeah i believe they got away with that yeah ugh um wait i'm going to i'm going to chime in here because i had a thought that there's really no other place to put it and i am it, it needs to be in the corner of our minds with this right they're being so straightforward with uh, the teacher and how the teacher was the guy who attacked her. Right. And it's like, Oh, well at least in the original, there's the guy that they pegged for doing it. And then he breaks out of, out of where he is. And then it turns, ends up being a red herring. Right. 
it's like, well, okay, well, we see this guy is here and he's following her. So I wrote down, I swear, if it just ends up being that thing you do, that'd be so disappointing. From now on, by the way, he's going to be that thing you do. (laughs) They set it up from the beginning and even the original knew better than to be so straightforward. The best it seems I can hope for is that he's there to protect her and never intended to kill her. He's still a fucking murdering psychopath, though. So what does that even matter? And I don't even get that. Like some sort of twist. Nope, it's the guy they said it was in the beginning. No mystery, no intrigue, fucking nothing. Whenever we talk about these movies, it just comes out that, oh, apparently I really didn't like it. (laughs) Where's Shyamalan when you need him, huh? Yes. Where's my twist? (laughs) What a twist. Or at least a little misdirection or something anything then oh yeah that thing we knew in the beginning is also true at the end we just saw some people getting chased around a little bit and i need more than that for my slasher movie i did say though that i i mean i kind of like that about the core premise that we do follow the guy around like that's neat that's interesting but it would have been nice to have a little bit of a of a twist some of the characters are even likable but the writing Oh my God, the writing sucks ass. And a lot of the acting is God awful. (laughs) Come on, this is prom. Okay, let's just all be nice and just forget about the past. Well, I mean, here's the thing. If you're going to make, if you're going to let me know who the murderer is, you need to make the murderer interesting. He's not interesting at all. There's nothing compelling about him. He's just completely stoic. He's not funny. He's not scary. He's not fun. He's not weird. He just walks around in a sport coat and a hat. Carrying a knife. Yep. And that's all there is to him. I quit, Mr. White. Occasionally he said he says things like, oh, we're meant to be together. And like, but like, that's only when he comes to her. And so it's, he's not even interesting when he kills other people. It's just, oh, I'm waiting in her hotel room that she's sharing with a bunch of other kids. And one by one, as these kids come in, I guess I'm going to have to kill them. He, and that's what the story is. He's kind of like, he's kind of like a Michael Myers, except that. Michael Myers was scary. Yeah. And this guy is not. No. Nope. And, oh, oh. (laughs) And he can talk, which Michael Myers can't do. And another trope, especially in a slasher movie, there's a level of the hotel under construction for some reason. Just at like an x-ray. Just happens to be under construction when the bellboy or the, the concierge or whatever his they name tell is. tell you right off the Mentions bed. it. Oh, sorry about our dust. We're doing construction on the third floor or the fourth floor or whatever it is. You knew right away. There's going to be There's a scene. There's going to be a scene, and sure enough, there is. There weren't even crazy ladies lurking in the shadows. No. At least we got that from X-Ray. <laughs> Our movie re-rated a zero, by the way. <laughs> so, I don't know. No, I just a of... bunch of people die. Yeah. Like, come on. They're, okay, like, they, they hate this girl named Chrissy, and the black friend girl wants to be prom queen, and they're fighting right. over being prom queen. So our main character is not going to be prom queen. Right. She's not even in the running. No. It's just another thing that another character cares about. The other girl who's in the running for prom queen is a bitch, but there is fucking zero reason for it. They give you (laughs) no reason. In fact, at least Wendy had her boyfriend. She just broke up with the guy. In fact, at the very, in the very first scene, it's when they're too young to drive themselves. So a mom is dropping her off. So her friend Lisa is like, you've got to try out for cheerleading squad. And, Donna 
says, well, with everything that's happened, my mom said, oh, because they had a restraining order on the teacher. I forgot about that bullshit. Yeah. Uh, so apparently they already knew that he was obsessed with her. Uh-huh. But anyway, uh, she's like, oh, you know, with everything that's going on, my mom doesn't think it's a good idea. And Lisa's mom goes, that's that's good. And Lisa goes, no, you have to, because what if I don't get it? Then Chrissy will get the spot. And Lisa's mom's like, what did Chrissy ever do to you? And she goes, where do I start? What did that poor girl do to you two to make you hate herself? Where do you want me to start? And, and that's, that's all, all we get. That's all we ever that's all we get. <laughs> why they hate her There's so much. There's no justification we'll never know. for why she's a bitch to all the girls. Or why they hate her. Like none. They don't even, not, not even lip service. I mean, I guess that's technically lip service. Where do I even start? But like not even a, a sentence of explanation. They just don't like her. And apparently she did some, a lot of things. And she's a bitch. What's your, let me ask you, director, what's my motivation in this scene? <laughs> a lot of things? <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. And Lisa's boyfriend is going to propose. And the other chick is going off to college. And our main chick got a full ride to Brown. <laughs> Meanwhile, her boyfriend is going to state college. It's just so fucking cliche. And one couple has a fight, and then the girl dies, and then the guy dies, and then the other chick, Lisa and her boyfriend are going to have sex. And then she realizes, oh, I saw the killer, because it took her forever to figure out who he was. And then she runs off to find her friend, and eventually she dies. I don't know. They all fuck. It's really boring, guys. It's really boring. It's extremely generic. Like, I don't even, I don't want to sit here and go through all of my notes for this movie. All right. So it's instant into <laughs> lightning round. I mean, we've basically been there as it is. Why would Ronnie go looking for Lisa on the construction floor? Why does that happen? There's their hotel room and there's the the banquet hall where the actual prom is happening. And she goes running off. To talk to Donna about something right when they're about to have sex and he's going to propose to it's her. It's because the elevator's taking too long, so she has to take the stairs. And he's waiting for her in the stairs and he chases her into that floor. No, he the elevator doors open and he's in the elevator. Her boyfriend is. Yeah, no, I'm not talking about why the guy would. Why would Ronnie, her boyfriend, stop on the oh, construction yeah, floor I don't know. and call out her name? Because they needed that tension where she wants to call out to him, but she can't because then the killer will know where she is. But there's no reason for him to be there. They don't even fucking, like, not even an attempt to make that make sense. They just know it's a trope. So they do it. At literally my next note. Every beat of this is so predictable. And it goes on and on, guys. And this such prom- a boring ending. This prom sequence goes on for fucking ever and then finally they get out of the hotel then they go back to her house and then there's another long ass sequence where he comes after her in the house it is it it is so boring did you have cops stationed outside your house trying to protect you from the mysterious killer yeah they're gonna die well next time you look outside they're gonna be dead yep like every single fucking trope and not even in an homage it's like they it's another one of those movies where it's like well i guess we have to do this now a lot like X-Ray. I literally wrote, it's just so breathtakingly average and by the numbers. But still, at least 
it's not as poorly made and poorly acted as X-Ray was. No, it's not. It really isn't. It's actually, I mean, production value, it's fine. Yeah. It's totally fine. And the acting isn't, like, the main chick's good. I like her. She's fine. Do I know her from something? I feel like I know her from something. Uh, maybe. Brittany Snow. Oh, right. She's one of the main uh, pitches from Pitch Perfect. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. She also played Amber in Hairspray, the movie. Oh, okay. But yeah, I mean, like, it's just, it's just one of those, and, oh, I haven't even said this. I've seen this movie. I saw this movie. I yeah, I, like, we were like, did we, have we seen this? I know, no, yeah. I knew I had seen it. No, I, so did I. And then when I was watching, I remembered, like, none of it. I remembered before we even sat down to watch it, I was like, I hated this movie. But what's weird is that before we even turned it on, I was like, I don't think it's anything like the original Prom Night. And I was totally right. It's not the same story at all. Uh-huh. And it's just so boring and generic, guys. Like, I don't, I'm sorry, I don't want to go through this. <laughs> I'm not, like, I'm reading through it and I'm bored by reading through my notes. Right. Okay. All right. Let's move right into Rotten Tomatoes. Kelsey. Yeah. What do you think it got on Rotten Tomatoes? 20%. 8%. There you go. A dim and predictable remake of an already dull slasher film. Oh, fuck that guy. This prom night fails to be memorable. Yeah. Uh, Metacritic rating of 17. So, overrated or underrated? I would give it like a 15. That's what exactly what I was thinking. It has some things in it which are enjoyable. Like I said, watching the killer do his thing, but the killer's fucking boring. Uh, Idris Elba, who's way better than this role. It's just like what we said about Oba Babatunde, who's like the only name in April Fool's from 07. Same thing for this. Idris Elba, except much higher than that. This movie is at least better than April Fool's from 2007. I don't know. At least April Fool's was so bad that it was funny to talk about. Yeah, we actually gave April Fool's a higher rating. Yeah, you gave April Fool's a 25 and I gave it a 20. April Fool's... Was so bad it was funny. It was so bad it was funny. This is just so fucking boring. Yeah, it it's, it is... So generic, I cannot think of a better way to describe it. Oh, two of the couples, two of the couples are having relationship drama because of where they're going to college and how they're going to be away from each other. One of the couples, oh, a guy wants to propose, but she dies before it can happen. Uh, like, it's it's so tropey and so boring and so predictable. Ugh. Yeah. Bad. Bad, there's a bad, there's bad. a lot of mentioning of JT. <laughs> they keep saying they want to hear some JT. Yes, as, as in Justin Timberlake. And I'm like, did Justin Timberlake realize they were putting his name in this movie several times? That's probably why they just said JT. <laughs> All right. That was 2008's Prom Night. <sighs> Kelsey. Yeah. Cheer me up. What are we watching next week? I don't know if this is going to cheer you up, but we're watching Graduation Day. A trauma movie, which, kind of like this, I've seen before. <laughs> it's another one of those movies where I think I've seen it before. 
<laughs> yeah, I've seen this before. And because I couldn't find a slasher about graduation day, we're watching another prom movie called Dance of the Dead, which I'm really excited for because I think it's going to be a funny zombie movie. <laughs> you guys, what you may have surmised is that we've already seen these movies. Kelsey's trying to emulate how she would have originally, how she originally felt going into this movie. <laughs> it's not a great movie. I was all jazzed. I thought it was going to be like another Shaun of the Dead. Nope. No. 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 <laughs> There's a... Never mind. We'll talk about it when we talk about the movie. Uh, but it's at least maybe worth talking about. Definitely Graduation Day yeah. is worth talking about. So you can join us next week for Graduation Day and Dance of the Dead. Until then, you can always reach us at podcemetery.com. Wait! What? We must do a supernatural check-in. Supernatural check-in! Carry on my wayward son! So, we're almost at the end of fifth season, guys. I know, it's been taking us forever. And we just got to Pestilence, or he was in, like, the last couple episodes, and I'm super stoked because Pestilence is played by Trash Matt, Can Man. Matt, Matt Frewer, who you may know as Trash Can Man from The Stand. And based... what movie have we watched that had him in it? Um, Hold on. Oh, I remember what it was. What was it? Dawn of the Dead, the remake. Oh, right. Yes. He's the guy who they want to kill before he changes. Yeah. <laughs> He's in a lot of horror stuff, apparently. Yeah, he's a, he, he's a goofy looking dude. Ouch. He is. I don't know what to tell you. I There's grew a reason up with he was Max Hedrum. I grew up with him being the cat in the hat, so. Uh, again, goofy characters. I just, I, I care about him. He's the cat in the hat. I know you do. He's also in Sam Raimi things as well. Yes, so we're excited about that little bit. Also, one of the episodes where um, they go, they're in heaven, so they're killed. Spoilers. Yeah, sorry. At some point in the <laughs> 184 season run do you know of how many Supernatural, times, do you know how many heaven. times they have both died in this <laughs> show already? So if you haven't seen it and you plan on seeing it, they will die. Multiple times. Multiple times. <laughs> And in this episode, they happen to go to heaven. And while they're in heaven, uh, this angel named Castiel needs to uh, communicate with them. And he does. Oh, yes. Yes. He does so through a various means. And one is through a television. Uh-huh. And so Dean calls him. And Dean. I forget what he says. Uh, Castiel says something. And Dean goes, thanks, Carolyn. Oh, um, don't go into the light. <laughs> Which is exactly right. what they tell yes. Carol Ann. Yes. So, they're, like, they're talking about what they see, and he's like, oh, I was driving. Oh, there was this big light, which they know is the, uh, is the archangel. Michael. So Castiel yells at them, don't go into the light. And he says, okay, thanks, Carol Ann. <laughs> so, uh, so I found Sam, but, but something just happened. There was this weird beam of light. Don't go into the light. Okay, thanks, Carol Ann. <laughs> which is a reference to Poltergeist, which is... We haven't done Poltergeist on this show. We're doing it this summer. Okay, it's one it's of our favorite feature. horror movies. Yeah, it's probably, aside from like Rosemary's Baby, it's probably my second favorite horror movie. Wow, nice. I would guess. Very nice. 
<laughs> so that was really good. And Kelsey had to share that. It made me really excited. I was really excited to share that with you guys. Anyway, we're getting closer and closer to the face off between heaven and hell. Yeah, I think we only have like, what, one episode left? Two episodes, I think. Two episodes left. Of, yeah. Of series season five. Yeah. And hopefully it opens back up again and stops being so fucking self-serious. As I've said in the past, they thought this was going to be their last season, so they're trying to get through all the plot shit, and then um, I assume at the end of the fifth season, and when they go into season six, it's like, well, we have all of this, now what? <laughs> so I'm really excited to see what happens, what kind of weirdo shit they come up with after this. woo And that was our Supernatural check-in. There'll be peace when you are done. With that kind of singing, we don't even need the song. <laughs> <laughs> all right kelsey next week we are watching graduation day and dance of the dead until then you can always reach us at podcemetery.com where you can browse all of our episodes and a list of every movie we've ever had on the show leave a comment to share your thoughts on these movies or recommend one or two for us to cover in a future episode you can also email us at podcemetery at gmail.com or follow us on twitter at podcemetery where i'll add comments that we think of after the mics are off, and Kelsey will sometimes get trashed in live tweet a random horror movie. Lately, I've also been retweeting accounts like One Perfect Shot or Script to Screen of movies that we've covered uh, in our show and then linking to our episode. So you can get those there as well. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on the podcatcher of your choice. We're on, like, fucking everything now. There should be no excuse. You can get your hands on it. <laughs> So, until next week, I've been Chris. I've been Kelsey. And this has been Pod Cemetery. Kelsey, any parting wisdom to share with the audience? Remember, listeners, it's not who you come with, it's who takes you home. is all right you sure about that you sure about that i'm gonna save my judgments for myself <coughs> maybe not in the backseat of a van with the guy you met just that day yeah yeah uh-huh <laughs> or is that no that's not in this movie that's not in this movie what yeah. movie was it i think it was a graduation that. day it's graduation day the whole world is my toilet you gotta get that <laughs> dirt, dirt off, off your, your shoulders. shoulders um all right what do you think it got on Metacritic, though? It got a 45. I'm not going to ask you that. Because <gasps> I try and try to forget you, girl, but, but it's, it's just, just so hard, hard to do. do.
Cause every, every day you're doing oh. that thing you do. Dun, 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 dun. We start by meeting our main character. What's her name? Fucking pff, who cares? Um, hold on. <laughs> Wicked gay, made the bear. Oh my god, yes. Oh Jesus. I think I've seen it before. <laughs> nope. No. 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 My life for you. Yeah. <laughs> Are you excited for when we do the stand, baby? Oh, yeah. I'm excited. <laughs> the episode opens on a close shot of Dean's bed at the motel. A half-consumed bottle of whiskey lays on its side. Oh, Dean is slowly waking up. <laughs> To the side of a masked man shoving his shotgun's barrel in his face. He turns to look at Sam, who's already up and has a gun trained on him as well, held by another man. When one of the men speaks, Dean recognizes... How long is this? <laughs> Jesus Christ. This has quotes. <laughs> Any parting wisdom to share with the audience? Oh, fuck. 